Hello, this is a podcast brought to you by the Carleton University chapter of Canadian Students for Sensible Drug Policy. We are here to bring you news, discussion, and interviews about drugs and drug policy. Enjoy. Okay, last time. This is drugs. This is your brain on drugs. Any questions? I don't see how people can honestly think that the prohibition of drugs works. Does this concern you? It should concern you. They probably started off with milk and then went to beer. And then they went to bourbon. And then they might have gone to marijuana. The gateway theory doesn't work. This is crack. The conservative government isn't making this decision based on evidence. Then what on earth are they basing it on? I got some stuff you just gotta try. What is it? Pop. You know, marijuana. But when you think about it, you can't make war on inanimate objects. You make war on people. Hi, I'm Alex, and I'm Priya, and uh, we are here to talk about drug policy, aren't we? Yes. <laughs> we are not too good at this because it's the first time we have really done it, and I'm kind of soft-spoken, and I think you are too, so anyways. I am a fourth-year student at Carleton, um, fourth year of my five-year plan. I'm in social work and I'm doing my student placement at Bridget's Place, which is a transitional housing, well, house <laughs> for women with chronic substance abuse issues, and it operates from a harm reduction model, which we will talk about lots in the future. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> Priya, why don't you introduce yourself? Well, I'm also currently a student at Carleton University. I'm in my third year of the Bachelor of Music program, studying voice. So drug policy really is one of my big hobbies. I love doing work on drug policy. I recently wrote a paper on the prison industrial complex for one of my classes, and I'm really excited to be working with CSSDP and creating these podcasts for you all to enjoy. Yes. So... Obviously, we made a podcast, and why do you think it's important that we made a podcast, Priya? Put you on the spot, you know. Because people need to be well-informed about drug policy. Yes, they sure do. Why don't we, for instance, go on the Government of Canada's new notforme.ca project? Because it's not honest. It's not honest drug education. It's full of crap. But I don't know. I saw the recent video, and it featured a girl in a mirror, and she went and she got a really great haircut, um, kind of hipsterish. So I think if I do cocaine, then that'll get me a really awesome haircut. Is that right? I don't know. I think it's kind of misleading. I mean, they didn't even show her using cocaine. They didn't clearly show what she was using or where she got it from or who offered it to her in the first place. There was a lot of questions unanswered in the video. It was very dissatisfying for me. I was being facetious, just in case you were wondering. <laughs> so, there's been some stuff in the news lately. Um, like, for instance, remember back in November when California Prop 19? Yeah. And, I mean, good that we got some, you know, our voices heard about it, but didn't pass. And then, 
One thing, sadly, that will pass is Bill S-10. Would you like to speak a bit about Bill S-10? <laughs> it's very, it's very disheartening for the future of Canadian drug policy that a Bill S-10, which is very harmful for, for all drug users, especially small, I mean, the fa I can't believe they're going to criminalize people for possessing small amounts of marijuana or for growing amounts, small amounts in their own home. It doesn't make much sense. I think it'll be a really good way to put people in jail um, if that's what your goal is. That's but, expensive, holy. Well, that you know, they need to be kept off the street, you know, doing all these... <laughs> No, it's a horrible, horrible thing, and uh, CSSTP has been doing a lot of work trying to advocate for, you know, the bill not to be passed, um, and unfortunately, despite all of that, it did. Mm, it's going to harm our communities. Like, the, the wording of the bill makes it very likely to criminalize those who are not even criminals, like the mules of the game. People who just possess or sell to their friends or have it for themselves, you know? They're, they're, not, the big, they're not the big top dogs that are getting lots of money. They're hardly, I don't think they're making much at all. And uh, so this means, like, college students are likely to get mandatory sentences and be addicted. And prison does not treat addiction. And, but I mean, are there drugs in prison? I don't think so. Of course. You know. I think <laughs> actually prison would be a great spot to get tons of drugs. Because you know what? Prison is really fucking boring. <laughs> and they gotta have something to, you know, keep them occupied. Now you be like, what the hell are they talking about? This is boring. Let me shut this thing off. But don't do that. Bill S-10 is basically, well, changes to our current drug policy. Mandatory minimum sentencing is the big thing about Bill S-10. It will, hang on, we are going to get more information. Okay, I've got it right here. Bill S-10 will be imposing mandatory minimum sentences for certain drug crimes. The bill's uh, one of at least 16 others in the Tories' tough-on-crime agenda. Bill S-10 claims to target organized crime, increase public safety, and deter people from involvement in the drug trade. However, mandatory minimums have been shown to be least, the least effective as a deterrent for drug crimes. Justice Canada said that. Countries with severe mandatory sentencing the U.S. and the death penalty, Malaysia, for drug crimes, still have a large drug problem. And rather than targeting organized gangs, the big dudes who are involved in the drug trade, most likely it'll be targeting lower-level drug dealers. And those are probably going to be the... People like Aboriginal people and the poor who 
are already disproportionately impacted by our criminal justice systems, they're the ones that are going to be targeted. So that sucks. And I don't know, I think a lot of us who, you know, are getting into, you know, activism with drug policy kind of feel defeated. And you can get really cynical about whether or not things can change. Um, but that's why I think that making this podcast is really important because the people who are really amazing and inspiring and, you know, can, you know, see the world through how it should be and not, you know, how they're trained to see it as our young people and we need to have a voice in this and we need to talk about it and not feel like we're being stupid rebellious or wrong for talking about it no because the decisions that are made in drug policy today affect youth greatly and so we need to speak up for our rights and let them know that what's bothering us and what needs to change Fight the power, man. <laughs> Fight the power. Fight the power. <laughs> okay, well, so what are we thinking of doing exactly with this podcast? We want to, first and foremost, start a discussion and talk to you guys whoever you may be, if you're all CSSTP members, that's cool too. <laughs> but hopefully other um, people who might be interested in the topic. Because, you know, I think a lot of people, they don't consider it. I know that for a long time I didn't really think about drug policy because, you know, I wasn't... I didn't, I still don't use drugs and, well, that's, you know, debatable. Caffeine and blah, 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 blah. We'll talk about that later. Um, but obviously never been in jail for it. And I didn't really think that there, there was an alternative. And, you know, you're taught in schools what, drugs are and that they're bad and and what's right and what's wrong and that if you try anything then all of then it's going to be a downhill slope from there and you'll never get out of it like okay when i i remember first learning about it and like then why do people use drugs why don't they just you know go and like get a hammer and smash their head in or you know use some arsenic what's the benefit mm. Um, we have to remember that there's a lot behind, there's a lot, many reasons why people choose to use drugs. Many, many reasons. It can be social, psychological, behavioral, anything. I love, we're a bit rambly right now, but I think we'll get more to the point as this uh, project, this podcast goes on. Um, and, oh, I'll explain a bit about our name. So, does everyone know what civil disobedience is? Hmm? Hmm? Okay. It basically refers to the fact that sort of breaking a law because it's the right thing to do. 
and it brings up the whole, there are things that, you know, there are bad laws. And just because something is illegal doesn't mean it's wrong. Just because something's legal doesn't make it right. And that's really important to consider when we think about drug laws. And Priya, what is the name of the organization that we belong to? Canadian Students for Sensible Drug Policy. Thank you, sensible. So, <laughs> so we are, you know, thinking of ways to, well, not advocating illegal things. Wink, wink. No, I'm mm -hmm. not. Wink. Anyways. <laughs> um, but that it is, I don't know, go against, challenge what is currently out there. Yeah, because prohibition does not work. Boo! No, and we want to teach you that why it doesn't work, um, how it harms people, and how you can get involved. So now, news! <laughs> Events that are current. <laughs> um, what? What's going on? Yeah. Well, I was just looking on CSSDP's Twitter account, and in fact, there are some very fascinating posts that people have put up, or tweets. You should call them, like I suppose. I'm new to this thing. Yeah. Um, but one thing that I saw, an article on Portugal's drug experience. New study confirms decriminalization was a success. So basically, Portugal decriminalized possession of all drugs in 2001. The outcome, according to a study that was published in the British Journal of Criminolo Criminology this past November, less teen drug use, fewer HIV infections, fewer AIDS cases, and more drugs seized by law enforcement. So this has really been a huge success in Portugal. Like, it's good that they've had a decade to really see what's happened. What are the arguments um, against uh, decriminalization? Because, you know, enforcement and going to jail is such a deterrent that people will not use drugs, right? Yeah, I don't see it as very effective because what about all these guys and working for big corporations and fancy suits that are like doing sniffing coke during lunch break. They're, they're hardly, hardly targeted, you know, for using drugs or drug possession. Reminds me of, uh, this is actually when drug policy and those sort of things really just sort of peaked, sort of began. My, one of my first social work classes at Carleton. I was sitting there and the prof was talking. I, I don't remember what exactly we were talking about, but I remember her saying, why do we criminalize people that are all, already marginalized? And I was like, huh, why do we punish people who are already pretty much suffering? I don't exactly know. <laughs> about the prison industrial complex, I think it has a lot to do with 
institutionalized racism or differences in class, I think capitalism itself feeds off of poverty. Like, capitalism needs poverty in order to survive. And so the drug war on drugs, I think, targets marginalized communities because there always has to be big fish and small fish. So the people at the bottom that are poor or who unemployed or illiterate or just living living badly, living in bad conditions and they don't deserve to, but our the, the way we live, it it needs that in order to survive. It's kind of kind of sick. <laughs> yes. This may be a bit of a ranty socialist uh, podcast, but <laughs> if you don't like that, you can go and make your own. <laughs> but what Portugal has taught us is that decriminalization and really offering concrete supports for people. I apologize. I used to know more about Portugal's drug policy while I was in sociology studies and addiction this summer with our former uh, executive director of CSSVP, Tara. Yep, yep, <laughs> shout out. <laughs> And she taught us what they did, but I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't remember the deets. But the, it was really more focused on public health and offering supports to people who use and people who have addictions instead of just incarceration or just punishment <laughs> and enforcement. So what I think we can get from this as well. First thing, join our Twitter account. Mm -hmm. <laughs> join CSSTP's Twitter account because then you will be in the loop of all these fascinating... Tweets. Tweets, <laughs> yeah. And, and if you get progress. your news from somewhere else, I just don't. <coughs> it, it, well, on drug policy anyway. It won't be so good for weather reports, <laughs> I'm afraid. Yeah, it's just all drug policy. That's all I see. See for weather today. <laughs> <laughs> it's raining. I see enforcement and prevention, but where is the harm reduction? Where's the sunshine? Harm reduction and <laughs> harm treatment. <reduction>. <laughs> sunshine, lollipops, and harm reduction. So, what other bits of news has CSSDP tweeted about? Well, there is a lot of writing about the U.S. drug side. Apparently, he supports the old war on drugs. The old war on drugs? I thought we were all... We're still in the same war. <laughs> How is it old? I, well, it is, it's getting old. Well, <laughs> the U.S., I think, is moving in a better direction, like with the reform. We'll be talking about this more later, but... The Rockefeller drug laws that were that began in the 70s, they have recently been reformed, which is a step in a, in the right direction for the United States. But this drug czar, I believe, is causing some trouble. Okay, so the U.S. drug czar. He made his first visit to Canada on November 22nd, and although he may, this is from CSSDP's Facebook page. Although he may not use the term war on drugs, he is most certainly leading one. 
The U.S. did not eliminate the crack powder cocaine disparity. The U.S., like Canada, massively overfunds enforcement at the expense of treatment, prevention, and harm reduction. And both countries are Well said. Anybody know about what the crack cocaine disparity is? Mm hmm? Well, ah, cat on the door. <laughs> In the United States, since 1986, there has been a mandatory minimum sentence of five years for trafficking 500 or more grams of powdered cocaine, but for only possessing uh, five grams of crack cocaine, you get the same sentence. And this is arguably a result of institutionalized racism, and there is no mandatory minimum sentence for possession of powdered cocaine. Well, at least Wikipedia says that. <laughs> I'll check my sources later. Research shows that the majority of powder cocaine users are white suburban folk. However, the majority of the prosecutions for powdered cocaine falls on the African-American population and the Latino population. They're disproportionately represented. This disparity is even more pronounced when you consider crack cocaine. Crack cocaine is subject to a lot of stigma. You know, the term crackhead and the users are really looked down upon and it's associated with people who are lower class, are of minority groups, and live in urban areas. But seriously, it's arbitrary and it doesn't, it just goes to show you how the, well, which drugs we choose to make illegal or worse is really not exact, not necessarily because they're more harmful. Let's move on now. And if you want to send us an email, what is Carleton University's CSSDP email account. It is cu.cssdp at gmail.com. That is where you can reach us. You can talk about how lovely my lisp sounds and... You don't have <laughs> a lisp. I do. Oh. It's very sad. I can hardly you, notice. If you want to recommend some uh, speech therapists to me, it'd be... <laughs> Aw, all these S's. Damn you, students and sensible. <laughs> this is cruel. <laughs> oh, but okay, back to drug courts. <laughs> I was laughing yesterday at, because uh, what they do there is they use rewards and sanctions, punishments for, and they follow the steps that you're supposed to. If you engage program. in treatment, you, you know, Remain clean. What do you get? You get...
good for you. Wow, if I would prefer like a money for groceries or <laughs> I think they should give stickers, like maybe some gold <laughs> stars. <laughs> Have a little chart, like Wow, that's crazy. They're um, treating them like little children. That uh, substance abuse and addiction is so complex that hitting someone with little tokens, I don't know. When That's why drug treatment courts aren't very effective in keeping people or in getting people to abstain from drug use. Because what they need, they don't need praise or a copy card to motivate them and let them know, yes, I got a coffee card. This means that I'm never going to use drugs again. What they need is support, like, oh like, my gosh. like ongoing support. Priya, I have an idea. <laughs> we give everyone in Canada a Tim Hortons gift card, and then no one will use drugs. Oh, my God. Okay, well, let's just stop depends. the podcast How here. How much money? A 40-pack of Tim Um, oh, I think that'd be. Do you think that's enough? Timbits. <laughs> Timbits. They that's are the anti-drug. <laughs> Actually, no, I don't advocate Timbits because I'm a vegan. That'll be for, <laughs> that'll be another discussion altogether. Imagine that big story in the news, how Timbits helped me stop using heroin. Say... Yes to Tim? No, say no to Timbits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then there's going to be an advoc advocacy group saying no to Timbits because they're getting people too excited. <laughs> <laughs> you really sounded scary there. But anyways. And, well, that talking about drug treatment courts is, I think in Bill S-10, they used drug treatment courts as the bill's saving grace as something that's, you know, good about the bill and progressive and what do you think? <laughs> I don't know. Like, do they do follow-up with people who pass through the drug treatment courts? Because I think if they did, they would find that they're not, they're not very effective. Or they're not changing people's lives necessarily for the better, maybe temporarily, but... I think, okay... If someone's listening to this and don't really know what drug treatment courts are, even though they're pretty self-explanatory, what are the main what are the main parts of the drug treatment courts? Well, a person is usually referred to them uh, when they they have their uh, court hearing if they committed a drug or drug-related offense, and they're given the option instead of incarceration. So instead of going to jail, they have the option of going to the drug treatment. They'd see that and they would probably think, oh, that's preferable, not being in jail. Okay, I like that. Let's go. <laughs> and it's twice a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays. You have to go to the court. You have a discussion about your progress with a judge. There's paralegals there and representatives from your treatment center and confidentiality by the way there is none when you go to a counselor or say a social worker which are awesome <laughs> everything you say 
in the room stays in the room unless you're suicidal, homicidal, or abusing children, or I think sexual abuse from a physician. Anyways, mm. <laughs> confidentiality guidelines aside, that isn't there doing in treatment. Very personal things are discussed with this whole team of people who you probably haven't, you haven't built a relationship with and don't have the proper training and perspective to in a counseling role and you're sharing this information with them, which I think is really problematic because if I knew that things I would talk about were going to be shared, I wouldn't want to say them. And if you don't share about it with uh, people who are supposedly going to help you, then those things don't get resolved. Yeah. It's kind of like when you're having, when, when you're going through a tough spot in life, who do you talk to? It's usually someone that you trust and you know that they're not going to go run around and tell everybody that they see or everybody that they know, right? Especially if it's if it's very personal. I mean, it just it's up. It should be up to the person to let others know once once they once it's the right time. Speaking of trust, if you know that the person who this is going to has the power to put you back in the judicial system and you know potentially have you back in jail. Uh, you're not going to want to say too much. That, yeah, the things... You're probably going to end up lying. Yeah. The trusting relationship, you know, I find that threats of incarceration, they're really bad in forming a trusting, <laughs> helping relationship. The more you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, what else? Oh, Priya was on the... SSDP Facebook page. SSDP oh, yeah. is the U.S. Uh, version of CSSDP, I guess the original one. Mm -hmm. And they were talking about 12 junior high school students who were suspended in Nevada for displaying signs uh, that were pro-legalization of marijuana. And they said stuff like, free the weed, that sort of deal. And, yeah, 12 young people suspended from school for, <coughs> their, for speaking up. And so, yeah, what do you think about that? <laughs> um, that's kind of, kind of bad. <laughs> or it's that they were, that they were criminalized or, or punished, I mean, for, for, Speaking their minds or for actually trying to take a stand is pretty scary. I mean, and it's risking their education. It's threatening the the possibility of their of getting a good education, right? And what do you think they're doing now that they're out of school for a few days? Uh, well, Thinking very hard do? about what they've done. <laughs> I maybe sitting at home, uh, take enjoying their time off school. <laughs> Smoking a joint, no. Eating pizza. <laughs> they could be doing a whole number of things, but the fact is that they're out of school. And this just sort of brought home, think of when you were in junior high or high school. I know this might bring like 
traumatic memories back. It does for me. Mm -hmm. But, you know, try to go to that place. And we're going to be talking a lot about drug education and the problems with it. But I felt that if you had a different, if you questioned uh, drug use and you, you know, laws, anything related to that, you would, you know, you'd really be seen as... You'd suddenly be, an, like, alienated from everybody else. Not necessarily, well, from, like, your te the educators would look down on you, and that's really sad because school, supposedly, I don't think that our school system is doing that, but that's for... I guess another podcast. <laughs> oh, there's lots of things I want to rant about. <laughs> but they, I, ideally, they should be encouraging people, you know, their students to be critical thinkers and to, you know, question these things and be engaged. Now, granted, I mean, free weed signs, maybe that doesn't seem like a big you know, that big of a political statement, but they're saying something and they're starting the discussion at a young age. And I think one thing that's really important about listening to this podcast and CSSTP in general is that so often all the, all of these, well, a large majority of these policies are put in place to save the children from, well, I know. Save I mean. us. Save, save us. us. And let's face it, Wait, we, are we children? well, we could probably both pass for 14. Okay. <laughs> let's not lie here. Agreed. <laughs> I was asked if I was, I, yeah. I, I don't, I don't like remembering those moments, but mm. it does happen to me too. And I mean, and everyone says that, oh, well, when you're old, you, you'll wish that you looked young again. But they don't realize how... We're not going to get old. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> how frustrating it is to not be taken seriously from by our age. And to have things put in place for us without our consent. And so we're trying to talk back a bit. <laughs> Yeah, like, what do they mean by creating these, for example, not-for-me commercials? Like, have they, I wonder if they have actually consulted with the youth that they're representing. Have they, or... A parent, okay, so, notforme.ca is the government's anti-drug, like, youth, say no to drugs sort of deal online. And the commercials that they have on TV, one of them, I think there's a kid and he goes to a party and there's like the bad drug dealers in the backyard. They're, well, actually, no, not they're dealers. Just, they're, just, they're just sharing a joint. True. Okay. <laughs> the bad kids. The bad kids. Or, well, they looked like they were actually having the best time. Well, I'm not, okay, not the best time. I mean, they, they just looked like... They were chilling. Yeah, they were chilling outside in the back of the party but the thing that is really ignored in that commercial is that before he gets to them 
in the backyard, he walks through a party where everybody is drinking out of red plastic cups. Now, hmm, I wonder what's in those cups. Now, well, alcohol's not alcohol. a drug. Alcohol. <laughs> alcohol is a, is a drug. But, and they're all underage drinking. Right. And that's not looked at in the commercial. Or that's not um, critiqued in any way. It's, it goes straight to marijuana is bad. Do not do not accept joints from somebody offering it to you at a party because it's going to lead to you then doing ecstasy. And then you're going to have flashbacks of when you first started using marijuana and then you're going to get suspended from school. And it's just ridiculous. <laughs> that's what, oh, that's what the, the commercial does, this little, like, this child has like a little epiphany he sees himself and he is you know he takes the joint and then he you know goes and gets pills and his mother finds him and she starts crying and screaming and then he's falling asleep in his class and then he goes to get something out of his locker and you know a whole bunch of weed <laughs> falls out of his locker just when the principal is walking down the hall wow and he goes a down downward slope like slippery slope guys yeah I mean, well, very, very sensational. And anyone who's, it's normal for young people to experiment. I mean, most kids weren't like me and, you know, locked themselves in their bedrooms and watched documentaries on their weekends. Most kids were, you know, socializing and trying things out. Normal I actually doesn't exist. I mean, what, what defines normal? Because what's normal in this, in, in maybe Ottawa, isn't normal somewhere across the world. Priya, this <laughs> isn't a philosophy podcast. <laughs> but you're right. At the same time, drugs have always been... Been around. And been used. Actually, I heard that the reason that um, uh, humans stopped being nomadic so they stopped moving around and, you know, actually went, you know, and built permanent homes was so they could brew beer or make alcohol. <laughs> but anyways, and you, as you were saying about alcohol, that's something to be questioned. Why, you know, there are certain drugs that really are celebrated. I mean, go into any sort of novelty shop and, you know... There will be tons of stuff on drinking games and, you know. There's a there's shot glasses. And maybe. there's coffee mugs bragging about people's caffeine addictions. <laughs> and I, it's a discrepancy. So that is something we want to talk about. Um, if we could get. If you want to give your feedback on what your drug education was like, please free feel, ugh, free feel, feel free. <laughs> I free, free feel to email us. Yes, Priya, that is what I was trying to say. As And also speech therapists, please, guys. I'm getting desperate here. And I'm making a podcast. It's not a very good situation. <laughs> um, what is our email address again? cu.cssdp at gmail.com. 
So we wanted to break this podcast up into different segments. So we sort of did that. We did a little intro and, you know, why you should pay attention to drug policy. We will always, you know, touch base on news items. And... And then rant a little bit, of course. Well, ranting will always be, you know, this podcast will be sprinkled with rants. (laughs) (laughs) Little delightful additions. Rainbows, rants, sprinkles. (laughs) Mm. Anyways. (laughs) So Um, this next section is called Alternative Names for This Podcast. uh, Now, ideally in this uh, part of the episode... We will have an interview with someone in the know about drug policy. We'll have researched certain topics, but we're, you know, we're just starting. So we're going to, and when we were thinking about this podcast, we didn't want it to be the huge acronym CC. SSDP podcast because people will see that and go, that's boring, yo. <laughs> so I went online. Well, that's too academic sounding. Yes. It um, is. Acronyms are always like academic. And if you go into social work, you speak in acronyms. It's a whole <laughs> new language. But I went on, so I went online um, on a website called theppk.com and mm. it's very good. It's a vegan forum. And I went on there and just like, guys, I don't know what to name this thing. What should I do? And these are some of the responses I got. Um, the person who contributed the most was called Dan Dirty Apes. So uh, shout out. <laughs> and here are the suggestions. Wonder drugs. Like... Let's think about drugs. Drug net. Talking smack. Hashing it out. Since Miller, I don't get that one, but anyways. Being blunt. I love that. Uh, the straight dope. Pot shots. The joint enterprise. The high moral ground. Blow by blow. Spliffing the difference. Grassroots. Peyote ugly. Shroom with a view. The crack. It's like our, but spelled W-H-O-U-R. That's why I was hesitant to say yes, it. Yes. <laughs> that is an inappropriate one, which we didn't use, obviously. <laughs> uh, keeping up with the Joneses. The token discussion. Token? Yeah. yeah. The Philosopher's Stoned. I really wanted to call it that. But uh, Harry Potter reference. We're trying to make this a somewhat, you know, we want to be taken somewhat seriously. Yeah. So, you know. That's why we didn't choose any of those names. <laughs> but we still wanted to share them with you because, uh, you know, if uh, and if you want to create your own podcast, then <laughs> there's some name ideas for you. <laughs> but you'll have to go and uh, post and go on a vegan forum and ask for advice. That's, you know, I make all my decisions that way. Consult the interwebs. <laughs> no, I don't. I should start doing that. It, it's quite, you know, you find you don't actually have to interact with people 
real people anyways. You can just write all your thoughts and problems on a forum and someone will pick up and give you an give you an internet hug. It's quite beautiful really. <laughs> okay. So we're going to wrap this up. Uh, oh, actually, one more thing before we do. I want to ask Priya, why and how did you get involved with CSSDP? Well, I've always been fascinated with drugs. It's, well, let's say high school. <laughs> high school. <laughs> oh, high school. Well, I don't know. It's just a very interesting topic. Like anything to do with mind expanding or, or, yeah, basically mind expansion. Like anything that alters your consciousness, which includes drugs such as caffeine, nicotine, alcohol. Um, it really, really interests me. And so when I came to Carlton in, should I say the year? <laughs> no, <laughs> a couple Priya. years ago. You can say um, the year. When I came to Carlton in 2008, I discovered this group that had just started up on campus by Kayla Bentamera, shout out. <laughs> um, and it was really great. Like we started off, we started off slow, but through the year we really built momentum. And the one thing that convinced me that I had to be a part of this group was the conference, actually. The national, CSSDP's national conference that was held in Ottawa in 2008. And the theme of it was 100 years in failed drug policy. Where do we go from here? And so, um, yeah, that's what really started my interest. And I'm also very, um, very keen on doing more work and research on international, the international, um, effects of, I guess, harmful drug policy, like what this means for for um, countries down in Central America who are trafficking the drugs up to the states and Canada, more so the states, but, and also what the situation in Colombia and Afghanistan, those things really, really interest me in, so, yeah. Cool What stuff. about you, Alex? <laughs> <laughs> well, I came to Carleton in 2007 to start my social work degree. And I've always been interested in the sounds, you know, cliched, but helping people. And as I said, when I first started learning about various social issues, which, you know, social work makes sense. Um, and I told you about how my prof said, why do we criminalize people who are already marginalized? And that stuck with me. And we got guest speakers of people who worked in harm reduction. And, you know, slowly I began to be a little more interested. Then, um, last summer, not the summer we just experienced, but summer of 2009, I took a... Uh, drugs and society social work class and it was really focused on drug policy and it got me thinking it i read um gabor Maté's book after that i in the realm of hungry ghosts yes i'm reading that right now it's so fantastic good. amazing and just got interested and then this summer of 2010 I was in a course um, 
sociology, oh, I don't remember the course code or anything like that, <laughs> studies and addictions. And Tara Lyons, as we talked about before, I feel bad saying like first names because then it sounds like we're in this like inside world with, you know, anyways. <laughs> um, she taught, she was at the time the executive director of CSSDP and she taught us about drugs and drug policy and really rekindled that interest or just, you know, made it bigger and, you know, made me... Fed it. <laughs> oh, Fed it did. Interest. It like, it's like putting bug spray on a campfire, except <laughs> the can didn't blow up in anybody's face. <laughs> um, and so I really loved the class was, uh, you know, the keener in the front row who, uh, and good experience. And so after the course was over, I still was interested. Um, I got my student placement actually in, at Bridget's Place and it was a, and the program actually had, um, present, uh, made a little presentation for my class and it was like, hmm, that looks cool, I'll do that. So this past, these past few months, I've been working with uh, drug users. And I mean, I don't, I think that really put a personal thing to all these policies because I saw these women that we were, were that I was, you know, working with at this agency, and I mean, I'm not trying to, I'm not saying this to, you know, glamorize drug use or, you know, to say that what they were doing was healthy, but they were, you know, women who were really looked down upon in the eyes of our society, but honestly, some of the most amazing people I've ever met, um, their resilience, um, talented. I mean, there's women who write poetry who will go out and like last on my last uh, when I was at placement last, um, one of them like came up to me with a slice of pie because she had made pie for everybody. I'm vegan, so I couldn't accept it. But <laughs> oh no, I know it made me feel so bad. But just really lovely, smart, intelligent, kind, beautiful people who, you know, ended up uh, using drugs and for, for pretty good reasons if I was in their situation. Well, and also learning more about addictions and all that, I really saw parts of my own life being reflected in that and I think of the times when I would engage in behaviors or you know, that sort of thing that weren't healthy, um, that did harm me, but they worked for me at the time because they gave a short-term feel-good sort of sensation and uh, I'll explain, I was in eating disorder treatment for a while. And there's a lot of parallels between that and addiction. 
And while I was treated with a lot of compassion and, you know, empathy and people seemed to care, there, if some, you know, if I had turned to drug, drugs instead, I mean, I know they're not the same thing and there's more unique characteristics of, that lead people to both of them, but there's still people who are using something that works to get them through and they shouldn't be punished for that. Agreed. Which brings us to a point that I thought was important we make about the fact that drug users are human beings and they deserve respect, access to health care and other services, and the ability to be part of our community. And what's really lacking right now is accessible services, I think. Like for people with addictions or even, maybe not even an addiction, but drug use that might be turning into an addiction, where are the resources available for them? And, you know, people say, oh, well, they can just get help and go to rehab. Do you realize what waiting lists are like? They're insane. Or how expensive they are, or who, whether they have people who will support them if they choose to go to rehab, or... Yeah, and think of if you have children, what do you do with your kids while you're... And... It's not as simple as people make it out to be. And I think we're talking about the war on drugs and what, I don't know if you listened closely to the little intro audio montage, but the last section um, quote uh, was Gebor Maté and he was saying that it's impossible to have a war on inanimate objects you have a war on people, and that's what the war on drugs is. It's a war on people. And... And it's not right. No, it is not. So, we will leave you guys today with a jumble of rants, some information, um... And hopefully a lot, a lot to think about. To ponder. And I'm really hoping that this will be a really good place for them to talk about this and people to listen. And please, please email us with any ideas you have or if there's something that you really want us to discuss or talk about or if you yourself want to make a contribution or come on to our podcast sometime, just drop us a line anytime at cu.cssdp at gmail.com. And what Priya said about if you want to make a contribution, we're so open to other people um, contributing. If you want to record a little audio clip for yourself of um, if you just discussing something or if you are really passionate about a topic and want to say a little blurb about it or, you know, I don't, there's... Or if a, you want to sing a song. Yes, actually. <laughs> we would love anybody who is uh, musically inclined to get in touch with us because we want to try to use... Um, we want, we're looking for original music to use in our podcast. 
it's called, and also pod safe music. I was just learning about copyrights and blah, 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 blah. And I said to Priya, if we're going to, you know, do something illegal on this podcast, it's not going to be a violation of copyrights. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I hope you have a wonderful, we're going to try to do a weekly podcast. No guarantees for when we're starting off, but that's the plan. And uh, I will be discussing in more detail, um, it's like some of the topics we talked about today, like youth uh, drug education or harm reduction or drug treatment courts. That might be those might be some possible topics we'll um, elaborate on in future podcasts. And we'll po- I think we'll post what topic we're going to do before we record it on our blog so if you have any comments on the uh on the topic you know let us know and we might include it in the podcast we will because we'll no, we really <laughs> unless you're like if you send unless us it's hateful if you send us a link to the notforme.ca website then yeah we you guys know how to get there yourself but check out notforme.org it's way better it's the CSSDP uh, version. Uh, well, not version. It's their own. It's our own. Drug education website. Mm-hmm. And I know it doesn't have some of the flashy, like, it doesn't have games on it. I'm sorry. It doesn't but... have any videos of people, of teenagers or youth throwing television sets at the door or but if you want a shattering YouTube, mirrors. <laughs> if you want a YouTube, really. <laughs> if you're bored one day, Old drug <laughs> drug awareness uh, ads are hilarious. There's one that features oh. Garfield, the Chipmunk, Ellen and the Chipmunks, Alf, Teenage uh, Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yay! Well, that's a different one, but you know, the, any if you know the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles tell me something, I uh, I listen. So actually, I don't. <laughs> Anyways. Have a... Bye. (laughs) And remember, Remember, be be sensible. sensible.